My name is Sam Jenks, and welcome to another episode of The Way We Source, a podcast hosted by Kodiak Hub, where we share our talks with procurement practitioners, leaders, experts, consultants, content gurus, and people that we find downright inspiring, diving into the role that sourcing and procurement plays in the way that we live. Today, we have the pleasure of hosting a real catalyst of supply chain sustainability, a rock star of recycling, and co-founder of his venture, The Honest Ocean, Tom Jackson. Tom, welcome to the show. Hi, Sam. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, super excited to, to chat with you. And we're super excited to have you on as well. Now, Tom, I have to start as we ask a lot of our guests, what exactly does sourcing procurement and also kind of supply chain sustainability mean to you? Um, to me, it means every single part of it uh, is accounted for. So, of course, supply chain has many different uh, businesses involved in it. And it's really how can, yeah. How can, for instance, for us uh, and for our customers, we need to be accountable for everything. So it's really from right from the source through every single um, step of, the, of that supply chain, uh, even all the way to the end customer. Uh, and being able you, by by being able to do that, only then can you um, really put your name behind, um, you know, the traceability and, you know, in this case, circular economy uh, for 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 that and sourcing and. Yeah, that's really important um, from our side and and from the other side, which is um, the manufacturers and and for them for the brands to show their their end users. And I think that you hit on something that's incredibly important there, right? Accountability at the source, the ability to be able to truly make an impact from real visibility, real transparency. And it all starts at the source, as you mentioned. I mean, for some of our listeners that don't know, and I know that you physically actually are sitting at the source uh, where where you then are, are heading your operations together with some others in Honest Ocean. But for our listeners that are out there that have never heard of Honest Ocean, would you just let everyone kind of know what you guys are doing and more importantly, why it is that you co-founded the company back in 2020? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, Honest Ocean as an overview, uh, we are um, an ocean prevention recycler. And the most important part of what we do is we micromanage waste streams. Mm. Uh, so like we just talked about, right from the people who collect it in the coastal communities, uh, right through to um, the logistics of getting that to the recycling facility, um, uh, all the way through uh, to the manufacturing location. So we we take care of all of that. Uh, and we look after the people at the source, which are the most important uh, in these coastal communities that are affected by the overflow of plastic throughout their village or community. Um, and we are partnered with the recycling facility. So yeah, again, all, all of that all the way through uh, is, is what we do. And uh, we partner with brands and conscious uh, conscious businesses that really want to see a difference. And, you know, um, it, it's a big part of why pretty much all of the Honest Ocean team are physically in Indonesia, whether right. it's marketing or, um, you know, uh, raw material purchasing from these communities. Right. Uh, it's important for us to be surrounded by it, to see the people, um, to, to completely understand that. And um, why, Sam, is really... 
Um, the reason of starting this is because um, Indonesia, uh, where we're based at the moment, uh, is is very much the second uh, worst for uh, ocean plastic and generally the failure of waste management and mm-hmm. household collection um, throughout throughout the world after China, it's number two. Um, and yeah, we will move into the the rest of Southeast Asia, but a big part of big part of uh, helping Indonesia is really coming here, speaking to the people on the ground. Yeah. Um, and yeah, for my role, I, I spend pretty much most of the time on the ground um, meeting with uh, villagers um, and village leaders, chiefs, um, and yeah, fishing communities that uh, there's no more fish left. So being being able to create Oof. create a create a job for them, they already yeah. got the fishing boats. So just changing the the product they pick up instead of fish is plastic, and they've got the nets already, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, that's a that's a that's kind of what we do as an overview and, and why we do it. It's it's really you know really important for us to to be here uh, and uh, yeah, accountable. We've now got techno technology, uh, you know that tracks every single order that a customer uh, can you know log in and see the movement of that order um and yeah accountability it, it, it's 2022 people can't do like for instance green raw materials uh, right. you can't do it without without uh tracked um and traced uh tech because you know otherwise people are just taking your word for it and and i think that the point i mean First and foremost, incredibly important work that you're doing. And I mean, we commend you in what you're doing. And I think that you point out something that's so important, being at the source, being on the ground, is that green sourcing and green material also encapsulates somewhere along the lines the people behind it, right? It's the social aspect that equally is is impacted in this question of, of sustainability as it is the environmental aspect. And I, and I thank you also for highlighting those things in the communities that you're also making a, an impact on within a small scale to be able to scale that impact uh, within a global scale. Um, I mean, I you know watched the film that is on your homepage. I was unaware before you mentioned that Indonesia was number two on the worst for uh, plastic pollution in, in waterways. But you know the, the imagery within the the video that's on your guys' homepage is, is shocking. And I would say for anyone that hasn't seen the extremities of pollution in the waterways in, in Southeast Asia and particularly in, in Indonesia, go to Honest Ocean and check out the uh, YouTube video that's directly on their landing page. I mean, it, it might seem a bit of a daft question, but Tom, really, I mean, how has it gotten to this point? Yeah. Um, it's a great question, Sam, and it's not one that people ask enough, but it's really, you know, these guys, um, out here that we speak to the locals, you know, uh, it's been on our televisions and our news for, I guess the last eight to 10 years, it's been on their front doorstep for 25 years. Mm. So it's, it's been a long time in there in it coming and it, it's a breakdown of waste management and how, you know, in the West, we we've got it pretty good in terms of the recycling. Um, you know, still nine percent of plastic is only recycled. Um, but here, it's really there's no collection and, and separation. Um, as well as that, taking plastic to landfill 
it, it actually costs money, uh, right? Mm. Which a lot of people aren't aware of. And these guys are living day to day, week to week, really not even month to month. It's it's usually uh, businesses are running week to week here in terms of being able to uh, afford to run. So you know, there, we find illegal dumping on on riverbanks a lot. Mm. Um, and actually, we see, you know, the very modern problem of, um, you know, ocean-bound plastic, which um, is a very new sort of niche certificate that's in, in this space. And we've actually seen ocean waste um, get worse since that's been around. And, um, yeah, it's, you know, we're really trying to, we're trying to battle upstream of, of how we can get to it before it gets um, into the waterways. But, you know, when they do collect waste in trucks, um, it's it's all different types of plastic. So it's organic waste. It's your your wood and your, your trees, as well as mm. your plastic of value, which is your water bottles, or your shampoo bottles, which here has a good price. Um, and then also your non-recyclables. So your chocolate wrappers, which we call multi-layer plastics, which are generally made up of two or three different types of plastic, which mm. can't be recycled. So you put all those together um, with a really bad sort of manual sorting phase here uh, in uh, in like the private sector of recycling. Um, and yeah, essentially that is a <laughs> combination of a disaster mix of uh, plastic that's not being recycled enough um, virgin plastic recycling, uh, sorry, virgin manufacturing versus the recycling infrastructure, which is almost, uh, I believe is eight times more virgin manufacturing to the recycling infrastructure. So across Indonesia, you've got uh, nearly 1800 virgin plastic manufacturers from food and beverage uh, right through to um, other products, buckets, um, uh, other fast moving consumer goods. Compared to the 300, uh, 325, I believe, um, okay. recycling facilities in Indonesia. So, right there, 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 and then, it tells you that um, it's never going to be able to cope with the with the overflow of, mm. of virgin manufacturing. There's some discrepancies now for for those that are, are naive to it, as as I am, but I'm I'm able to Google here. <laughs> virgin manufacturing. <laughs> could you give a, a quick definition for those that are unaware? Right, so new plastics uh, yeah. that are made from that derived from uh, from oil, oil right. manufacturing into your bottle, and very much uh, your bottle is, is your plastic is or sorry, oil is heated up, right. and basically something called injection molding or blow molding, which um, yeah creates the shape of, for instance, that bottle, which then the product goes into. And very much then the most, the highest impact uh, of of plastic. Am I correct by saying so? Kind of that first source version of plastic. Yeah. Okay. Understood. Right. And and uh, that discrepancy is obviously there. You guys are doing what you can about it. I mean, you're helping to create a more circular supply chain, which is a, a, a term that is on the tips of everybody's tongues right now. Uh, but I mean, how how exactly does your team at Honest Ocean and you are into it a bit, you know, ensure though that you're creating a more closed loop, 360 degree supply chain for for the the companies that you're working with? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and um, you know, the recycling market, Sam, is still pretty new. So mm. um, you know, and we see the prices of virgin versus recycled is a big difference. So 
people don't want to pay for that. So really, that really how we do it is business is about people and it's about creating the waste banks and working with the local people. Mm. So in order to do the circle economy, we have to prevent it on land, you know, before it gets in the ocean. Only then can we then start cleaning the ocean. Otherwise, yep. um, you know, if you let if you let the dishes pile up, uh, you know, in the sink, it's harder it's harder to wash them, you know, as time goes on. So it it's about getting that stopped and and the plastic before it gets there. Um, otherwise, it's way harder uh, down the line to to be able to collect that and microplastics and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, we we really. Um, we're not in competition with with locals or anyone on the ground. We help and um, can uh, eventually finance machines, but very much at the moment, it's creating those waste banks and having a large amount of them. Our, our goal for sort of this time next year, so October 2023, is to have 300 waste banks across Indonesia. And that is anyone in the community can start their own. And okay. we will come and we will pay them for that material uh, once it's once they've sorted it, we will weigh that with them when we come and collect it, uh, and then you know all of that material has a price. So it's it's not about collecting high value plastics. You right. can see a lot of people saying we're doing circular economy, which is really important. But that's PET or you know our, our water bottles, or that's HDP, or that's materials which actually have a value. All of those have been recycled for the last fifteen to twenty years. That's not the problem. The problem is the multi-layer plastics and the one and you know uh, the chocolate bar wrappers and uh, the labels on the ones that you've indicated right. you've indicated previously that they can't be recycled in the same way. I, I'm correct by saying so. Exactly, Sam. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And um, okay. there's no value on that at all. So um, that you know that's why it's mm. getting illegally dumped. You know. Every time, you know, if the government pays someone to take that away, they're going to do it at the most minimal, you know, expenditure to get rid of that because uh, they're getting paid minimal amounts for that. So it's really a true yeah. circle economy uh, for us as a uh, waste management and, and a collection network. It's taking all of the material from that community or from that fishing village uh, because if you're not, um, right. you're you know, you're just taking plastics with which is worth money, and you're not dealing with the other problem. Um, and it's expensive way of doing it for us, but it's a very important way to do it. And um, you know, that's why social impact plastic has a slight premium on it. Uh, first of all, because um, those those people are that you know those people have got to be paid correctly, fair wage, um, fair wage, and. Yeah, we take all of that material from the community, um, and so that's where that that mm. extra extra cost comes from. It's not a lot; it's about fifty dollars more per ton. Um, and the true circle economy for us is taking all of that material from the environment and being able to put it back into either the recycling network or, if it's unrecyclable, make products from it. And finding partners for that's really important. So, for instance, you can. Make uh, mm. you can mix non-recyclable plastic with concrete to make bricks, or you can use you can create pulp from it uh, to create um, either low-value textile, um, for instance, carpets or other forms of uh, building materials uh, by just you know compressing those materials and drying them uh, in the sun. 
Um, so yeah, it's really it's it's really important um, for for all material to be collected. Otherwise, um, it's just the ones of value getting collected, and the rest are, are still going into the environment. And so yeah, circular economy right. must be accountable for everything. Yeah, and somewhere along the lines, it continues to then just kind of be a, a question of economics, right? Uh, is is it affordable? Is it going to make me a dollar on the other side? And obviously, then those lower those uh, lower value plastics, I understand, that are continuing to 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 uh, accelerate the problem uh, if they're continuing to be dumped. So, right. I, I, I I again commend what you guys are doing. It's 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 an awesome uh, uh, feat that you're you're taking upon yourselves in the local or uh, the, the local uh, communities as well i mean you yourself after a quick review of your uh your your profile can see that you actually come from the uh fmcg fast moving consumer goods space uh, I mean, what is one thing that you know today that you wish that you knew then? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a great question. It's, um, it's well, I guess the best way of saying it is if someone tells you it's something, is it actually that way? I mean, we see a lot of through marketing, mm. and like you said, Sam. Yeah, I I came from um, a plant plant based supplement brand, which we were a startup, and we you know sold a lot of um, products through uh through through um amazon and, and things like this um and yeah it was really you know marketing is a big part of, of any either e-commerce or fast moving consumer good brand and you know you need to, people need to really communicate that clearly and if a supplier is telling them something um then you know they're going to communicate right. that as we did um as a yeah as a supplement brand to our customers and you know, our customers were asking us for, um, you know, um, do you have any other option other than using, you know, like the pharmaceutical tubes where your tablets and your pills come in? Um, and we were, uh, we start, we started hearing this echo through, uh, you know, reviews of orders and things like that. And we looked into trying to do metal aluminium tubes uh, as well. And we were primarily subscription based, mm. uh, so we also, you know, looked at a return policy for um for packaging and tubes which we got really excited about um and actually was rejected from our manufacturer which was a difficult um difficult pill to swallow uh literally in terms of <laughs> no pun intended <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, literally in terms of being able to to find a system for that and we actually spoke to our manufacturer yeah. of the tablets and we like we actually as a brand we need to talk to the guys who are supplying you the packaging and they, you know, they weren't actually too keen on that. They thought we were trying to go around them. But, you know, an another reason for being accountable, we we had we spoke to them, um, these guys in Germany who are making these tubes, and we said, guys, what's the eco option here? Um, and they said, well, there isn't one. You know, uh, it needs to be self, mm -hmm. um, you know, safe for for products to go in and all this kind of thing. And you know, that really played on my mind personally as well as for us as a brand and yeah from there i said right guys if i go and look at a social you know um eco version of the material um of this plastic tubes that you're making would you entertain you know uh, me being a supplier for you guys and they said yeah very much we would love to have that option um and now they are a customer of ours and um which is very exciting and a very natural progression 
in um, the way of doing business. But, you know, um, the moral of the story is we had to go that far uh, as a brand to speak to right. our suppliers to, to, you know, to find out what was, um, you know, what was going on and, and was it actually, you know, was there actually a, an option for that? So, yeah, Sam, to answer your question, it was really to find out uh, are people, you know, what's the problem all the way through the supply chain and were people just selling us on, you know, oh, it's come from a good, uh, a good, you know, source until we actually looked into it and we found, yeah, yeah okay, maybe, maybe, maybe it's not so good. Um, yeah, exactly. And what a chance that uh, you said that it was a German manufacturer who's now a customer of, of yours, correct? You, right. You mentioned, yeah. uh, and, and I mean, what what a chance that they've now taken and and a true kind of display of supplier enabled innovation at its best, uh, allowing you guys as a vendor who was interested then in partnering up and collaborating, but also getting to the source to ensure that they themselves would truly be able to deliver sustainable value to their end customers for years over uh, and, and letting you guys run with that. And I mean, that is the, that is the beauty of the supplier the buyer relationship that is so crucial within the 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 macro scale of 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 creating real impact that we love to talk about and i think that it's important to highlight you know what can corporate entities do uh, you know people it, it, that we speak to on a day to day basis they are in a massive position of power right they are controlling spend volumes that are you know, hundreds of millions right. of euros, sometimes billions of euros within their within their team. What could you give kind of as a maybe a, a call to action of anyone in our listener base to do to take action? Someone that's in that position of power, what can a corporate entity do to ensure that they are in fact delivering on the promises of a more circular economy of a more sustainable future. Yeah. And Sam, that's actually a really, really important question you asked there. And, um, yeah, it's, it's being able to, um, analyze and, uh, speak to that, that partner or that supplier and ask for, um, proof. And, um, because like, Mm. like you sort of, um, you know, tapped on there a little bit, it was, they're they're a massive brand. They've got the budgets, and they're in the position of power. And you know their suppliers will change, or if whether one or a number of customers will ask for that. Um, and it's yeah, it's about demanding uh, better from you know from your s- supply chain. And at the end of the day, if it's a big brand or a small brand, whether you're trying to get started or you've yeah. been in the industry um, for years, you've got a reputation to uphold. Um, and uh, a very exciting time for you know for us to be talking about this and to be in this space of of um, of uh, yeah d- demanding better and and uh, massive uh, responsibilities for companies to hit sustainable and carbon targets uh, is is demanding better mm. and um, their reputations on the line if they don't uh, look into that and they don't you know it's it's great having a big corporate and having uh, a number of sustainability managers, um, but yeah. how far up the chain do you need to go? And you know, for instance, the big word uh, of greenwashing, which we see everywhere now, um, is the you know is the answer of people not looking into their supply network enough 
Yeah. And they, they're unfortunately getting caught out. And it's not the brand or the company company's fault at the at the end of the supply chain. It's the people before them, uh, which are either you know trying to make a quick buck on selling high, uh, you know, higher value material. Um, it's yeah, right. they a brand it doesn't have much control in terms of that. So it's it's really being being able to 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 yeah be accountable for all of it. It's it's, it's not an easy so. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. It's not an easy. No, I was just going to say it's, it's not easy for a brand to 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 be able to control all of that. But um, it's really important, and it needs to happen. And and I think that you hit on a point that's so so important. There, greenwashing has become so widely accepted, uh, but it's it's obvious that I, I I'm hearing from you that doing your due diligence, getting to the source, and lifting the hood, and really understanding the ins and outs of your supplier base, and, and taking value. Uh, into perspective as a more holistic understanding, not just cost, right? Uh, that that you can deliver to your end customer, but really, what is the true value? What is the quality, the sustainability behind a product or service that we're delivering is equally as important. But I'm just curious. I mean, because y- you, of course, have have come from uh, a, a background that I'm sure that there's nothing that uh, that probably makes you angrier than seeing greenwashing, right? You're you're on the ground. You're you're doing what's necessary to ensure that companies can't greenwash, right? You're providing a more sustainable source, uh, 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 which, which might come at, uh, again, a higher, uh, a higher economic cost to the company. But w- what is, the, what is the, the return, right, <laughs> of the holistic value? Uh, it's much greater. So, so w- but why, why in the heck has greenwashing become so widely accepted, in your opinion? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah Sam, it's, it's kind of at the, at the point where it's out of control at the moment. And I mean, for us, you know, we could never let our customers be in that situation. Hence, why we're based in the area that we collect from, because we have to micromanage that. Yeah. And it's got out of control because yeah. all of these budgets and uh, all of these twenty-five percent, uh, you know, of of raw materials and um, all these uh, sector goals that have been created, not only in industries but internally for companies. Uh, you know, there's real pressure on on companies and brands to hit that, and suppliers to be able to fulfil yeah. that. And um, you know, cutting corners is one way of being able to do it. And also, you know, um, we see companies here, for example, that don't operate on the ground here, and they're you know they're really yeah. big market leaders in in uh, ocean prevention, um, and they say they are. Um, and you know their customers are in the firing line for that, and you've really got a you know a, a bit of advanced common sense in going. Hang on, we're buying like 800 tons a month from these guys uh, of material. Can mm. they really supply? Um, can they really change their network in a few years of you know the greenwashing uh, space has been around? Can they really fulfill that? That comes from uh, sustainable and eco sources. Mm might be worth looking a little bit past um past that right but and i mean it's obvious then i mean there needs to be more as we've talked about accountability taken and there needs to be better supplier development better a better understanding of of uh, and due diligence of, of the supplier base as well and understanding that the the, the sustainable source is actually a sustainable source i mean in your opinion, what needs to change? I mean, how can we create 
the you know that that sustainable sources of supply becomes the new status quo. I mean, I know that it's a big question. It's not something that we're we're sitting on the way we source to be able to solve today. <laughs> but I mean, what, what being close to it? What what do you believe needs to change? Ed, uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's not an easy easy question, Sam at all. And and there's a there's a number of elements and uh, layers that need to be pulled back. One is we're in a great uh, place with technology where, first of all, technology should be tracking every order, uh, like I mentioned earlier. And right. also, you know, setting up a sustainable supply chain is not a quick thing to do. The bigger the company you are, the harder no. it is. And the suppliers yep. that are supplying that material are bigger and they have more people in that. And all of that needs to, uh, you know, requires more people uh, from either the brand uh, or the supplier to to manage those people. So, first of all, it needs it needs to be tech accountable and it needs to be proven. Second of all, it it's it's not a quick thing. You know, we've been operating two years, and you know, we're still doing less than fifty waste banks collection, which can be anywhere from like eight hundred to uh, nine hundred tons a month if we can really push our network. So. You know, um, it it it's taken us a long time, and being able to create that network and speaking to those communities and those villages for us anyway, and how we do our business model, it's it takes a while. Um, and order and putting yeah. putting trust on the ground in in whatever country it is, if for people to fulfill that, uh, people are going to be under pressure to to sort of oh, we need the material, okay, this source will do, or we've got these orders, okay, well, let's, you know, let's get these guys to fulfill it and we'll work on it long-term. And then actually that short-term solution turns into long-term. So Cutting the corners again. Right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. yeah, preventing the greenwashing will only come from, from the end users demanding more. Um, and yeah, again, that technology will be able to prove that i mean in in years forward we'll, i'm sure there'll be data manipulation but um i don't wanna, i don't even think about that well, this stage. well, well we're, we're not going to get into any conspiracy theories today right. Tom, but uh, right. exactly <laughs> hopefully so hopefully so hopefully so that visibility driven like you said by by technology macro trends like the internet of things and industry 4.0 will help people to create that better visibility but also at the same time i think that you said it so perfectly creating a sustainable supply chain takes time and it takes real effort and resources from an organization. And I thank you so much for highlighting what you've highlighted about what you guys are doing at Honest Ocean, the importance of supply chain sustainability, and also just uh, just really what you're you're doing yourself and 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 you and your your co-founders have created. And I would love to shift into a little bit of a lighter segment. It is has it has been a pretty serious <laughs> uh, 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 episode, but a necessary episode as well. As I can tell, you're very passionate. And do a quick fire round. This is something we do with all of our guests. Quick questions that I would just like one word or one sentence answers to, uh, and has literally nothing to do with what we've been talking about today. Is that <laughs> all right? Absolutely. Let's go. Fantastic, fantastic. So, start starting with dogs or cats. Dogs. So you get you get to have one guest to dinner, and it's a person who is alive. Who is it? Uh, it's Elon Musk, of course. All right. Very interesting. Cool. One Indonesian dish that you've learned to love? Uh, nasi goreng, vegetarian style. All right. And there you have it. Uh, Tom Jackson of 
Honest Ocean, thank you so much for taking your time today to be on an episode and a very important episode of The Way We Source. We thank you not only for what you're doing, but also for being our guest today. Thank you, Sam. Really appreciate uh, having me on. And uh, it was really fun talking through all those points. And yeah, really important podcast you guys are doing here. So I, I really look forward to, uh, to seeing uh, what the future has for you guys. We do as well. Thanks, Tom, for, for being on the show today. Great. Thanks, Sam. We'll stay in touch. All right. Cheers. Cheers.